it's good to be it's good to be here with you. Uh, good to, be, to spend this time together today. Um, I hope and pray that you'll be uh, blessed and challenged this morning. And it's that time right now where we want to turn to uh, to the Word of God and to um, Matthew. 18 this morning is where we're at. But before we do that, before you, you start uh, ruffling the, rustling the pages of your Bible, um, I, wanna, I wonder if you might do something for me. I wonder if you might just uh, close, close your eyes, and I, I want to read something to you, and uh, I want to read some words that Jesus spoke. And what I would like for us to do is just to, to try to just even imagine... Uh, uh, visualize him speaking these words to you because they are his words and they're his words to us. So if you would, close your eyes and just listen to these words from, from the mouth of Jesus. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Those words are from Luke chapter 6, and we're going to be in Matthew 18 today, but I just wanted to read those to you, because isn't that just over the top? Like, where do you go to hear words like that? Who has ever said anything remotely, even close, to, to those amazing words? Um, in fact, the, the teachings of Jesus on the, that point are, is often rejected by people uh, rejected by uh, sometimes by the, the Jews, Muslims, even the secularists reject those words because they just seem so unjust. And maybe our hearts cry out sometimes when we hear those words and we go, well, where's the justice in that? And the obvious question that comes to our minds, I think, when we hear those words is why? Why would we love our enemies? Why would we, we do good to those who um, abuse us? And Jesus answers that question in his comment. Did you see, did you catch that? He tells us why. This is week six of a nine-week series, uh, which is part of a spiritual growth campaign that we're doing together in our, in our church called uh, Be a Good Human. It's based on Micah chapter six, verse eight, which you all have memorized, and you can say it with me. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. 
We spent three weeks talking about justice and how important justice is and how God is perfectly just always. And yet God is also infinitely merciful at the same time. And we've, this is the third week we've been looking at the mercy, the mercy of God and talking about the mercy of God. And as Josh mentioned a moment ago, today we're on the subject of, of uh, forgiveness. If I, I mentioned last week, if I had to summarize what we've been learning so far in one single sentence, it would probably be something to, like, uh, like this, that God expects you and I to act justly and to love mercy because he is, at the same time, uh, always perfectly just and unfailingly merciful. The teaching of Jesus from Luke 6, that I just, the passage I just read from, for you, is uh, centered on the idea that we belong to God. And because of that, he is our reward. That we don't have to worry about uh, whether someone uh, we are loving and giving to will somehow make it worth our while. That's not why we do it. Rather, we are called to recognize that we belong to God and that nothing we might give compares with what we receive from him. His grace and mercy and all his goodness to us. You can't outgive God. And let's understand, too, that when we talk about giving, money is only a small part of it. I know that we tend to fixate on the financial side of things when we think about giving or when we talk about giving or when we hear somebody talking about giving. But the reality is, is that money is only a small part of what it means uh, to give. Do you know that Christ uh, desires to transform our lives, taking us from being takers and making us into givers. Do you know that? Listen to what Paul says, and I think we probably have this to project as well. It's Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to go to Matthew 18 in just a moment, but I want, I want for us to, to consider this, that God wants to transform us from takers to givers. That's the transformation uh, that he wants to make in our lives. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from God, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Like April was saying this morning, we all have this issue, Right? hardening of the arteries, our hearts. And uh, verse um, 20 says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And then look at verse 28. Paul says, let the thief no longer steal, 
but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to, t- to share with anyone in need. Take a look at that statement, because if you look at it there, Paul is, is saying that God wants to, to take takers and make takers into givers. Let the, that the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Laboring with your own hands. Your own uh, labor, your own strength, your own time, instead of somebody else's. Why? So that you can have something to give. Now, I share this because this week is all about forgiveness. But there's something about forgiveness that we need to know, and sometimes we don't uh, perhaps um, readily acknowledge this. Forgiveness is a form of giving. Forgiveness, forgiveness, is a form of giving. And both giving and forgiving are forms of the grace and mercy that God bestows to us and which we are to extend uh, to others. So if you would keep that in mind and bear that in in mind as we approach Matthew chapter 18 uh, today together, uh, that would be good. Um, Maybe just... uh, Pause with me at this time before we read Matthew 18. We're going to read verses 15 through verse 35. We're going to be focusing mostly on verses 23 through 35, which is the parable that's attached there to the teachings of Jesus on forgiveness. But just if you would just pray with me. Lord, I thank you for your word today. And I thank you that your word is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, and is able to, uh, to divide even between the soul and spirit. And, um, and the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And I thank you, Lord, that for the power of your word and for the, the amazing and wonderful teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we might this, this day be challenged by them and, and anew and, and that you would use them to make great changes in our hearts and our lives. We thank you, Lord, that, they, that your words are so powerful and so purposeful. And we pray that the, the Holy Spirit would take your words today, Lord, and penetrate our, our hearts, soften our hearts and penetrate our hearts today, Lord, that we might be, um, uh, we might have ears to hear what you have to say to us. And may we be uh, ready to respond the way you want us to respond according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 18, uh, verse 15 and following. We'll read right through to the end of the chapter. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, 
It will be done for them by the Father, my Father in heaven. For where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am among them. And then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, and that word pity, by the way, is the Greek word, uh, it's like nitsomai, which is that word, Greek uh, word for compassion that's used throughout uh, the demonstrations of uh, Christ's mercy. Uh, it's a key uh, word throughout the Gospels, um, that, that um, vicarious suffering, uh, that ex personal visceral experience that he had when he observed suffering. So its, it's occurrence here is, is, is very important. Um, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And in verse 35, Jesus concludes his parable that is usually referred to as the parable of the unmerciful servant. He concludes by saying, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. How much is a hundred denarii? Well, according to the footnote in my Bible, a hundred denarii is about three months' wages for a laborer. This is one of those passages of Scripture that almost preaches itself. Uh, the story, the parable 
they do that, right? The parables. They, they're an amazing teaching tool that Jesus employed, and, and, and no one could do this the way Jesus did it. We can try, but he, he, he is the master, and he is the master teacher. And this parable uh, not only illustrates the point of what precedes the parable in his teaching, but it also applies that point to us in a profoundly powerful way. Now, um, in the devotional readings this week that go along with our, with our series, we explore a little bit of the critical relationship between, uh, between us receiving mercy and us giving mercy. Um, because Matthew 18 is only one of many passages where Jesus talks about the connection between those two things. Um, there's his statement in Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful. For what? For they shall receive mercy. In the text I read to you at the beginning from Luke chapter 6, it says, uh, forgive and you will be forgiven. And... Uh, Based on what follows immediately behind what we call the Lord's Prayer, if you look up uh, that passage in Matthew 6, the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, immediately what follows that is a strong indication that the focus of the Lord's Prayer is on that statement, forgive us our trespasses, as what? As we forgive those who have trespassed against us. So um, this teaching in Matthew 18, though, has this parable, and the parable is profoundly uh, powerful uh, teaching from the Lord. Uh, before we get into the, the, the parable part of the passage, I just want to make a few, just a, a couple of quick observations about the teaching time that precedes it here. Uh, first, I want to make mention of the fact uh, that the, the, Jesus referred to and used the term brother. And we've been learning about the significance of that a lot in recent uh, months and years as we've studied the Bible together. The significance of uh, that uh, familial language and, and how all the way from uh, Genesis chapter 4 and the story of Cain and Abel, all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, uh, it's just so significant because it, life is all about relationships. You know that, right? Uh, primary relationship with God and then our relationship with one another. Life is relationship. Uh, so that reference to, to uh, the brotherhood there is important. Second, uh, it, it's also really important that we recognize that Jesus in this passage is setting out a very practical process uh, that we should follow when we feel someone has sinned against us. Uh, and the typical reluctance To follow that instruction here given by Jesus makes this one of the least applied passages in all the Bible. We know what we're supposed to do. We almost never do it. And I've preached that passage many times and, 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 and meditated on it many times. And all of the things that we do do instead of simply going and saying, we need to talk. We, 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 we resist that. And it's, it's, it's a reconciliation process that includes confrontation, confession, forgiveness, and restoration. And then there's Peter's follow-up question in verse 21, and Jesus responds in verse 22. Peter thinks he's being quite magnanimous here, 
uh, when he says seven times. And for sure, he was set back by Jesus' response, which when Jesus said 70 times seven. And, um, but don't, don't get the idea here Jesus is just setting a bigger limit on forgiveness because this is a play on words. And what Jesus' point here is that there is no limit. When the, when the Bible uses big numbers like this, that's, that's the idea. There's, there is no limit. There's no limit to how many times we are to forgive. And, and, and that's the point, because we're not supposed to be merciful in measure. We're not supposed to be merciful in measure, because we're supposed to be merciful. What did Jesus say in Luke 6? Even as your Father is merciful. And God's mercy is without measure. He's infinitely just. He's infinitely merciful. But we shouldn't remove the point from the process either. Forgiveness is not a a permissive thing. It's not a passive thing. Uh, It's not simply ignoring sin. Uh, Jesus' first command in the the teaching is to go, right? And so uh, forgiveness is not something that doesn't involve the other person. And giving people the opportunity to listen and for, for each of us to own our own dung. Our sin, our guilt, our shame, to own it for what it is. It's part of the process. It's a vital part of the process a very, at a very practical level. But as far as the limit on mercy goes, there is no limit on mercy. How do we know that? Because God's uh, mercy has no limit. So let's take a closer look at this parable. I think there's some things here that really stand out and Um, As I mentioned, it's only one of a number of passages that would indicate that our being forgiven uh, is connected to our willingness to forgive others. And there is a clear and undeniable connection between our being forgiven and our willingness to forgive others. Um, But when we study the passages of Scripture, I hope you've done this, I hope you will do this, um, what we find is that this is one of those cart and horse issues, right? They go together, they can't be separated, but we have to understand the relationship between the two. Because it's not that somehow our forgiving people or loving people secures our being forgiven. They go together we should not expect them to be without the, one without the other, but our forgiving of others does not secure God's forgiveness in our lives. Rather, I would suggest to you, it's the other way around. Keep the horse ahead of the cart, right? Um, the mercy that we show to others is the only sufficient demonstration that we've been humbled to receive the infinite mercy that we need from the Lord. And in regard to that, and this this is an important part here, in regard to that, the recognition that any mercy we extend, any mercy we extend, pales in comparison to the mercy that we receive and the blessings we receive, and the grace we receive, and the love that we receive. 
And that point is brought out most strikingly in this parable. It's one of the things that makes this parable so profoundly powerful is this comparison that Jesus draws between the offenses that we are called to forgive and what we have been forgiven. Uh, It is simply inconceivable that we would withhold forgiveness when God has forgiven us everything. Uh, one of the devotionals um, this week is from Luke 7, the account of the woman wash, who washed Jesus' feet with her tears. Beautiful passage. And Jesus says, says there she loved much. But he said to Simon the Pharisee, whose house they were in at the time, he said, he who is forgiven little loves little. Jesus is talking about the great love that comes from the great gratitude we have towards him. By the way, the the Greek word gratitude is an extension of the Greek word grace, which means that grace is the summation of all of God's goodness to us and through us. We live on the grace of God. We live out of the grace of God. We live out the grace of God. Our forgiven, our being forgiven is not a consequence of our love, but our love is a sure consequence of our being forgiven. Take a look at this passage, Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. 1 John 4, 10, 11, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So in the parable, the parable belongs to the teaching that precedes it. Jesus is talking about the relationship between us receiving forgiveness and God from God and extending it to others. In the parable, the servant had his debt completely forgiven. White clean. And then he goes out and he finds this fellow who owes him a hundred denarii. Grabs him by the throat. And the poor fellow tries to plead for mercy just like his assailant had pleaded for mercy. But instead of mercy, he gets thrown in jail until he can pay in full or until justice is done. So how much money are we talking about? About three months' wages. I, said, I wrote in one of the devotionals uh, there th- this week you, that you see that that's, a, I, I think I called it a pittance. It's not a pittance. It's not trivial. Three months' wages is not trivial. The things that we are called on to forgive, the offenses that, the hurt that we experience in in our relationships with other people are, are not trivial. They're not a pittance, (laughs) but 
they become a pittance when you compare them. That is the point. How much did the master forgive the servant? Three months' wages is quite a lot, right? What's it say in, in the story? How much did the, the servant owe? Ten thousand talents. My Bible note again says that one talent was the equivalent of 20 years of labor. Uh, now, some of you know already, because some of you are, are excellent math students, I had to get my calculator out. How long would it have taken him to work that off? Two hundred thousand years. And you say, well, that's that's impossible. That's ridiculously impossible. And that would be the point. Let me let me say to you this morning, you and I, if you know Christ, you have been forgiven an impossible sum. If you could live for 200,000 years, you could never repay the debt you owe to Jesus for what he's forgiven you. There's no way we can even begin to repay. We can't make it right. The only thing that can justify us is his mercy. Who are we supposed to identify with in the story here, by the way? Whenever you have a, a, a story in Scripture or a parable in Scripture, either one. I mean, we're called to identify with the characters. Uh, who do we identify with here in this story? Well, Jesus, Jesus tells us that too, right? He tells us that too. Look at the la- very last verse of Matthew 18. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. (laughs) Who's he talking to about? He's talking about that servant. This This is about you and me. So, here's the thing. As big as the hurt that others might cause you may seem, it only seems big until you compare it to the grace and mercy that we've received in Jesus Christ. Which, if you do the math, it's close to a million times more. So if we want to talk about a key to forgiveness or if they ask is there some kind of a, of a key or as to how it can be that we can forgive people, I would suggest this is the key here. And I believe it's, it's laid out like that here for us. 
It's the explanation for how this all works. Because I'm sure, I'm sure when Peter said, Lord, how many times should we, you know, should my brother sin against me and, and I should forgive him like seven times? He was thinking, man, that's, that's gracious. Seven times. I mean, it's hard not to forgive somebody once. Once. But twice? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Is that how the saying goes? Three times? No. No, you can't. Couldn't do it, could you? Seven times. Peter's, he's really, you know, patting himself on the back, I'm sure. And Jesus said, no, Peter, you don't understand at all. And in our hearts, we want to say, when, 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 when we look at that, that hurt, we want to say, but, 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 but what about, what about this? And Jesus says, get your eyes off of that, but look at what I've done for you. calls us to lift our eyes to the matchless mercy of God and all that he has suffered, all he gave up for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he became poor, that we, or you, he says there, through his poverty might become rich. This is the biblical gospel in our lives, and the impact and the influence of the, the truth of the gospel in our relationships with one another. And we shouldn't allow the fact that we are not saved by our forgiving of others to diminish the import of the warning in this passage. Our willingness to forgive is very much the kind of fruit that, that we should expect to see in our lives if we really are what we profess to be. Judging ourselves in this way as Christians is biblical, right? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, he says, examine yourselves to make sure uh, you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you fail to meet the test? It's not to make us insecure in the confidence of God's grace in our lives. Rather, it's, it's the opposite. As we consider how uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. The capacity, the willingness, the willingness to, to forgive, the capacity to have mercy comes from our relationship with Jesus. Do we have a relationship with Jesus? How do you know you have a relationship with Jesus? How do you know that you have, have opened up your heart and received the love of Christ? And this is how you know, Jesus says. John chapter uh, 13, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. John chapter 15, uh, herein is my... Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to yourselves to be my disciples. This is how we know what love is. 
John says, that Christ laid down his life for us, and so we ought to lay down our lives for one another. The sacrifice of love, self-sacrifice, giving and forgiving. Take a look with me, and, and I'm not going to talk a lot longer here, uh, but, but take a look, because um, I'm, I'm on my, uh, my last page of notes. Take a look with me at this passage that follows immediately behind the passage that I read to you at the very beginning. Okay, you remember Jesus speaking there in Luke chapter 6? This is Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. These two verses follow immediately after the verses I read to you. Jesus says, judge not and you will not be judged. He's not talking about discernment there. He's not talking about that kind of judgment. What kind of judgment he's talking about? Well, look what he says next. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. That's what he's talking about. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The essence of grace is giving. It is the opposite of having someone earn or deserve something. In explaining what grace is, Paul writes in the letter to the Romans, he says, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And later on in the same letter, he says, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise Grace would no longer be grace. When you forgive someone, you are giving them something that they have taken from you. Forgiving is a form of giving. When someone offends us, they take something from us that doesn't rightly belong to them, denying us something that rightly belongs to us. And when we forgive that person, we are in essence gifting that something to them. Not because they've earned it, not because they deserve it. It's an act of love and mercy. And forgiveness has been called the most aggressive act of love there is. The most aggressive act of love there is to forgive. Jesus teaches us that actively forgiving someone is a personal sacrifice of our own lives motivated by love. The world talks about forgiveness. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but usually when the world talks about forgiveness, it goes kind of along the lines of this. It says, if you don't forgive, it'll eat you up. So don't forgive the person for their sake. Forgive them for your own sake. You're not doing this for them. You're doing it for you. Does that sound anything like what Jesus talked about? Of course it doesn't, because that's not loving people. That's loving yourself. And Jesus said that we are to love as we love ourselves. And, you know, there is truth to the fact that, uh, that uh, if you uh, withhold forgiveness from somebody, it will eat you up. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I don't know who said it said it, but somebody said that 
Uh, forgiveness is setting the prisoner free only to realize that you are the prisoner. So there is truth to the fact that if we don't forgive, it, you know, we, it, it, it can destroy us. But to make forgiveness something that we do out of self-preservation or self-centered motives is to completely flip the Bible's teaching and flip Jesus' teaching about forgiveness on its head because that's not real forgiveness. That's bogus forgiveness. That's not, there's no power in that forgiveness. There's no power in it at all. But there is power in the forgiveness that Jesus talked about because the forgiveness Jesus talked about is centered on self-sacrifice. It's centered on the cross. I said uh, early on that this passage kind of preaches itself and you might be wondering, well, then how come he took so long to... The story not only illustrates the point that precedes it, but it applies the point in a very powerful, profound way in our lives. But what is the point? The point is that our relationships with one another are determined and sourced by and sourced out of our relationship with him. The cross of Jesus has these two aspects to it, within it. In the sacrifice of Christ, we are reconciled into a right relationship with God. But in that and out of that, we are at the same time reconciled to one another by that great love of Jesus. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of forgiveness. That's the, the answer to the question, how? Why? Jesus said, because your Father is merciful. How? It's that vertical relationship as Jesus becomes the source for all of our living, for all of our life. This idea that you can just read about Jesus and follow his example is just so impotent. Without the power, you can't do it. I can't do it. And this is one of those instances where you definitely can't do it. Uh, I've, I've spoken to people many times who would say, I, you know, I try to forgive, but I just can't. I cannot forgive. I will not forgive that person. I've had people say that to me. I've had people say, I've tried, but I can't. I just can't. I really, really have tried, but I can't. How do you do that? Well, you've got to know Jesus to do that. You don't only have to know him. You have to know him personally And come to know him personally through receiving him as your savior with all of the grace and mercy that he has for you. And that's the only way I know of. I, I, I've heard the stories, I've read the stories. I'm sure you have as well. You know, people like Corey Temboon or 
or Lou Zamperini, and on and on the list goes, of people who forgave people who committed incredible atrocities against them and their loved ones. And, and you stand and you look at it and it's like, how is that even possible? I only know one way that's possible. And it's what we've just been talking about. So I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would, as we conclude. And I want to ask you that question. Do you have that personal relationship with Christ? Have you received his mercy? Have you gone to him and asked for his forgiveness? Because if you have in sincerity, then you got that. You received that. And it changes your life like nothing else can. There is no other power that compares to the power of the cross of Jesus Christ by where he laid his life down, gave himself for you and for me. Maybe this morning you, you, haven't, you haven't never done, maybe you've never done that. And this morning would be a tremendous God appointment time for you if you just pray with me. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray that as your word has been shared this morning, that your Holy Spirit would convict us of our sin and of our need for you every day, Lord. We need you every hour, every moment. Lord, we cannot live the way you, uh, we, um, the way you want us to live and the way we should live without your grace and power in our lives. I pray that even now, if there be even one person who's never bowed their knee and humbled themselves to receive your great, infinite mercy, Lord, that, that they might even right now just say, yes, Jesus. Yes, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know my debt is so great I could never repay it. but I believe that you paid for it on the cross. I believe you gave your life for me. So I'm asking for your mercy and your grace, Lord. I'm asking for forgiveness, and I pray that you would come into my life, change me, and make me a vessel of your great love and mercy. And I will praise you all the days of my life and for all eternity for your great and marvelous grace. Please bless your people, Lord, today. Oh, God. I don't want to trivialize the difficult and hard things. And I don't want to sound like these things are, are small or easy. But when we think about all you suffered and all you took for upon yourself for us. Help us, Lord. We need, we need your grace and power in our lives every, every day. Thank you that we have it. Thank you, Lord, that you never say no whenever we come to you. So we come to you now, Lord, and ask, show yourself mighty in our lives, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your love and mercy. And may you get all the glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.